Hey, Startup Nation. Imagine a job where you can work wherever you want, on whatever you want, from wherever you want. Hello to white sand beaches of Thailand or the comfort of your own couch. Oh, and most importantly, you're your own boss. Now, what if I told you that the dream job could become your reality? This is the life of a freelancer, and with some hard work and with the help of Hectic, it can be your life too. Hectic is an all-in-one business management software built specifically for freelancers who are just getting started or looking to take their freelance business to the next level. Hectic is everything a freelancer needs to get started, from an easy-to-use contracts and proposal builder to client management and project tracking to expenses and invoicing that features click-to-play technology that makes it quick and easy for freelancers to get paid. And we all want to get paid, Startup Nation. Built specifically for freelancers, Hectic is everything you need to get started. Visit gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life now to learn more and start for free. Yep, adding your first client on the platform will always be free. And if you sign up through gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life, You'll be supporting me and this podcast because who couldn't use a little support these days, Startup Nation? Visit GetHecticApp.com forward slash The Startup Life to find everything you need to start or grow your freelancing business today and put those in-demand skills to good use in the way you've always dreamed of. The link is there in the show notes. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is the Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, there comes a time where you may think about, you know, uh, the business is going well, and you're like, you know what? Maybe it's time to exit. Maybe it's time to do something else, right? And we have a fantastic, a returning champion, a fantastic guest. Uh, coming back on the show, he is the uh, the uh, JBM Enterprises and past founder, CEO of Inter- Inter- Interactive Solutions Inc. ISI, a Memphis-based firm that specializes in video conferencing, distance learning, telemedicine, audiovisual sales, and support. And he was uh, Startup Nation. If you remember already, he was uh, on the Inc. 5000 list seven times in 11 years, which is quite uh, the accomplishment. He is the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, J.B. Myers. Uncle Jay, how's it going, sir? Great, Dominic. Thanks for having me on the show. Always. You know, it's always a pleasure. We're so grateful uh, to have you on the show. It's so grateful to uh, to hear, you know, your you know, share your knowledge and insight and stuff like that. And, you know, you wrote you've written this amazing book that we're going to get into. And Startup Nation, he is back to promote his third book, Rounding Third and Heading for Home, The Emotional Journey of Selling uh, My Business and the Lessons Learned Along the Way. And that book is out available uh, today, uh, Startup Nation, you know, they're on the Kindle, but you can go ahead and pre-order that book now. We have a link there in the show notes uh, for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. So but before I get to the book, Uncle Jay, I want to ask you something because, you know, the last time we we talked and we did this, we were in person. We were, you know, we were in the studio together talking, having a good time and stuff like that. But a lot has changed in a year. Uh, and so I guess I'm curious just from your end, you know, what are some things that, you know, with everything going on, 2020, the pandemic and all this other stuff, what are some lessons learned that you kind of take away, uh, you know, for yourself and maybe some of the people that you mentor? 
Well, I think that it's been difficult for everybody. I mean, there's certainly, I'm no exception, uh, life-changing, you know, situation and everything with this pandemic. You know, Dominic, I was thinking about it uh, when I was driving over my office. Mm -hmm. uh, I think about this interview. It just seemed like the last time I saw you, we were in person, and mm -hmm. I think I went to a ball game. I don't know, maybe a month or two after that. That was the last time that things were, quote, normal. Right, right. And you know, it, it's a horrible situation. I mean, so much loss of life and everything, but, um, you know, I, I think that for your listeners out there, th this is a challenge of a lifetime, but it, it's one that you've got to meet. Right. And in our case, you know, it, it, I didn't, my quote business career, uh, when I sold my business and then I was on a contract for about a year at the time I met you, Dominic, at, was just getting ready to expire. Right. I go into 2020 like everybody did with optimism and things to look forward to. So I'm at that point semi-retired. I still teaching a class at the University of Memphis, et cetera. And but I anticipated filling up my days, my wife and I filling up our days with a lot of travel to see our children in Chicago, Atlanta, and right. various other places. And in fact, we had planned an Alaskan cruise and, and take the whole family. And then of course it all got thrown out the window. And it, it was challenging. There's no question about it. But I guess on the positive side of things, 2020, although it was just terrible in so many ways, because of when it hit and it was in March, I just happened to be Dominic. Don't laugh when I say this. I was down watching the Yankees play baseball in Tampa. <laughs> and I was anticipating being down there for a few weeks to catch the games and got a house down there and all these other things. Right. And Instead of three and a half weeks, my wife and I were down there three and a half months. Mm. So I'm a pretty high energy guy, as you know. And right. I was like, man, I can't, I don't do boredom well at all, but right. we had to be isolated and everything like everybody else and stay at home. So guess what, Dominic? I had the idea about the third book. I'd already done a few things with it, but boy, I had three and a half months to really work on it. And that's, <laughs> right. that was the good side of it. I had focused time to put it together. Right, right. You know, and, and and this is your third book. And, you know, and one thing I want to ask you really quickly before we really dive in, I just thought about this, because when I think about, you know, your, your first two books, especially hitting the curveballs and stuff like that and keep swinging, uh, Startup Nation, the uh, link for those books are there in the show notes as well. If you want to purchase the fantastic uh, books, uh, by the way. But one Thank of the you. things that absolutely, absolutely. But one of those, the themes that comes out in both of those books and even in your book now, Rounding Third, Heading for Home, is that like you are not, you know, uh, unfamiliar with adversity. You know what I mean? And and you really, you know, learn those lessons and stuff like that. And I think a lot of times Startup Nation that when we do face adversity, we don't think that there's lessons learned. Like you're, you're learning lessons along the way, which can actually, you know, help you along the way when a bigger adversity, maybe like a pandemic or whatever, that some almost nobody saw coming can kind of prepare you for. So uh, I, I appreciate you. You know, one thing I've always admired about you is that you've always been transparent and open uh, uh, about that adversity. And, and I think it really helps others. So I really appreciate that, Uncle Jay. Appreciate it. No yeah, so I mean, I think that you can look at adversity. I never dreamed about some of the stuff that I've been through, right. Dominic, in my personal and professional life. But, you know, if your listeners out there, I will say, though, that I'm a live and breathe an example that it, adversity strengthens you. It, mm. it actually does. And there's a whole lot that I haven't seen as a small business owner 
and frankly, even from family concerns and things that, uh, you know, that I've had to deal with and overcome obstacles. I mean, I've got, uh, you know, loss of siblings and everything, two brothers and a sister that passed away in years gone by. Uh, And it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, none of them were that very old and everything, but you know, people out there listening, they've got, everybody's got struggles and you just have to figure out a way to, to move forward, to press on and, and believe in your heart that, you know, that there are brighter days ahead. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. But let's talk about the book and startup nation. If you know, uh, Jay Myers, you know that he is a big baseball fan, maybe not a, a fan of the the right team, but you know, I always jab at him with that <laughs> from time to time. Uh, but you know, rounding third heading for home, a fantastic book. And it really goes, uh, to kind of showing, you know, uh, the ins and outs of running a business, but also thinking about selling that business. You know, Jay, one of the things I really appreciated about the book is that like, you know, you, you built at ISI from the ground up, right? You know, 55 employees, $20 million in revenue a year, stuff like that, you know, but like even now after, you know, that you're, you know, beyond that part, of your life or whatever, you still speak so glowingly as if you're still running the day-to-day operations. It just goes to show that like, you know, that's a big part of you. And that's something that never really goes away. Even after you sell the company, you know, and you really do a great job in the book, you know, explain that kind of talk about that a little bit. Cause I thought that part was really good. Well, I appreciate it, Dominic. I mean, you know, I started the business. I'm certainly wasn't, uh, you know, the be all end all. I mean, I had terrific uh, people on my team, engineering and support, project managers, you know, back office support, you know, entrepreneurs, small business owners, you can't do it alone. I mean, you have to have teamwork. And through the years, I was fortunate to have hired and we we developed some people that just um, were the best of the best. Yeah. And, you know, even today, after I'm looking back almost three years since I've sold the business, you know, I still have a lot of sentiment about what we did and the people that helped us get there. And, you know, it, it, the, the thing about it is, and I'll make this statement, Dominic, early mm-hmm. on in this interview, for people out there that are potentially considering selling their business, to understand this, p- people get this idea, you get this big check and you race off to Florida and you kick your legs up in the sand and all that stuff. I've heard that 800 million times. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that some people don't actually do that, but understand this selling a business is way, way more than a financial transaction. It is a change of life. Right. You know, as an example here this afternoon, I'm used to, if I'm in my office at ISI and I'm looking out my door, there's probably three people knocking on it every hour <laughs> about something. Right. And, and as I sit here now, I've got a small office in Collierville, the door is closed and there's nobody knocking on it. I'm not saying that's all bad. I'm not saying the other was good, but it is a change of life. And I, I think that it, it it was very emotional to get to the spot where I made the decision to sell. But gosh, Dominic, since it's happened, I'll be dead honest with you. I've had people call and emailing me saying, dude, you left at just the right time, particularly with this pandemic hitting. Mm. I mean, people are slogging it out. and. Right. I tell you, man, I mean, I absolutely have all the respect in the world for all the small business and owners out there and entrepreneurs that are having to deal with this and slugging it out. My heart goes out to you and anything I can do to help any and all of them, I'll do. I may feel a little guilty that I'm not in the fight, but on the other side of it, I'm fortunate I was able to 
protect my family and, and my family's future by doing what we did in 2018. Right. Yeah. And, and you, you bring up an interesting point, Jay, because like, like you said, you know, during this past year, since we last talked, there are a lot of entrepreneurs and, and business owners who, you know, some have, have thrived, some have been able to keep the doors open, but very many of them have been, have not had a great time uh, at it, which is why I'm, I'm so glad to have you, uh, here on the show, I want to ask you something because some one of the things you you point out uh, in the book, I think is very important because you talked about people, you know, want to sell the business. And, All right, now it's time to go ahead and uh, kick up the feet and go on beaches for the rest of your life and stuff like that. But one of the things you point out is that, like, it's important to you know why it's important to sell the business, you know, when the business is ready, not necessarily when you're ready. Kind of talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind, Jay. Well, yeah, I think that's one of the key takeaways I would uh, hope the readers get from the book is that a business, when it's ready, there's some just intuitive things here, obviously. You know, business has to be profitable. It has to show year-over-year growth. Things like that are attractive to acquirers. In the case of making mention of the fact that you sell it when it's ready, the business that is, and not necessarily when you're ready – I'm not going to say that I wasn't ready in 2018, mm-hmm. but you're not ever really a hundred percent convinced until you go through it. Right. And I have to admit that, you know, 20, almost 23 years later uh, of starting and growing and owning a technology business, Dominic, it, it, it can wear you out. Technology right. wears a lot of people out. And I really felt like beyond the financial part of it, which was, you know, the, 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 Proceeds from the sale were, were good, right? Very good, but but that was just part of the puzzle. A big part of it was that I have always cared about my employees and the right. people that helped me build the business, and I wanted to make sure that that I left in a good place that they could grow their careers, have opportunities that frankly they wouldn't have had with ISI. So the company that acquired us, you know, big uh, multinational company that. They wanted to live around the world someplace or uh, a lot of different states in the country. They could. And career opportunities that larger companies provide, you know, they could move up, you know, up the ladder in significant ways. So that was a big motivation for me. You know, if you say you sell at the end of the day, why 2018? I wanted the business to grow. And I frankly was um, a little bit worn out the finance or growth between my wife and I and putting our house up for collateral 150 times and, <laughs> and all that kind of thing. <laughs> right. So it, it just, it was growing the business. That was always the, the, the overarching uh, strategy and, and what I wanted to do uh, vis-a-vis the acquisition. For sure. For sure. Do a quick reset. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to J.B. Myers, author of Rounding Third, Heading for Home, The Emotional Journey of Selling My Business and the Lessons Learned Along the Way. And if you want a copy of that book, Startup Nation, we have that available, the link in the show notes to purchase that book uh, today. The pre-sale is, is going on right now. You're, and also the Kindle version is available today. But if you want the physical copy, the pre-sale is available right now. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. So, Jay, if you would just kind of walk me through from from the day of like somebody contacting you or you contacting them to sell the business up until your final exit. And quick, quick story. And I don't think I pointed this out last time we talked the day I called Jay to come on the show the first time. I think you were having the lunch that they were that your send off lunch 
that day, right. uh, which I felt terrible <laughs> about the way. No, <laughs> no, it, you're good. No, it, it was Dominic again for the listeners out there. I, I want to make sure I'm very clear about this. Mm-hmm. And I tried to point it out in the book. I had no intention of selling the business. Right. Right. I wasn't standing on a street corner with a, a sign around my neck that say ISI is for sale. I, and nor did I even promote it in any industry events or any of those sort of things. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the entrepreneur. I'll always be the entrepreneur. And, don't, you know, I made mention of to several people that said something about selling out. I said, I, I, I can't work for anybody else again. I, that's right. just not going to be me. I, I, I can't do it. And in any event, though, through the years, Dominic, you know, getting on the Inc. 500 list and all this stuff, we would get calls. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that point out in the book, I think you may remember, is I, I have a chapter about don't take your eye off the ball. Right. Because it's so easy to get distracted, that stuff. And they, these people are telling you what you want to hear. And we go, we've been watching your company and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, interested in, in potentially acquiring it. And for any entrepreneur out there that says that they're not flattered by that, give me a break. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Of course, right. And we all have to take those calls, but it doesn't mean you have to do anything about it. Right. And through the years, got those calls and some overtures. And we actually, uh, I didn't mention this in another interview, but I, I will t- this afternoon. We actually had a written offer probably three years before, like in 2014 or 15. I'm not sure which year it was. Interesting. Interesting. Legitimate offer, good company, but when I looked at the letter, it showed my wife and everything. It was kind of right before Christmas that year. And I knew what it meant if I sold. And I looked at the number and I'm going like, well, if I'm going to have to turn my life upside down, it, it has to be life-changing money. And it wasn't. And we declined. And that was a really good thing we did. But in any event, though, the, the call comes through June of eight, 2018 and you know, it was somebody talking about the largest company in our uh, industry, uh, AVISPL. I can say that because it's public knowledge now. Right. And, uh, you know, that normally I wouldn't have paid much attention to it. But when the biggest company in your industry yeah. is, is interested in you, you go like, okay, now you kind of have to take a deep breath. Exactly. Exactly. No, and I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it is fine. So the way that they wanted to communicate, you know, their interest and everything was to have a meeting out at one of these trade conferences called Infocom. That's a a big, big conference. And this case this year, it was in Las Vegas. And I told them that I wasn't going. I had some previous plans, but my son was going. And then uh, Jordan, and if you could, uh, they could talk to him, he could vet it. And if there's anything to it, we'll get back to you. I really thought, Dominic, that that would just be one of those things that my Jordan called me and saying, dad, now this is, Big company, blah, 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 not going to be a good fit. But he was so enthusiastic when he called me and talked about the culture fit and the go-to-market strategy, things beyond just money, right? like alignment. Then I had to pay attention. And so we started setting up a series of uh, video conferences with the folks in Tampa. Jordan was in on those calls, by the way, to kind of be – you know, the right side of my brain thinking and all right. and vetting and listening and taking notes. And when we ended up kind of getting really pretty serious about things uh, as time progressed, uh, he, he ended up being the person that ended up retrieving a lot of the information that the folks in Tampa needed to have to kind of pull the deal together, make an offer. And Dominic, I'll tell you again, for the listeners out there, if you ever are considering this thing, one of the biggest tricks that I had to kind of make, 
learn on the fly really is mm-hmm. I'm still running a business while right. actively trying to, at this point, certainly interested in selling it. Right. And, you know, it's a process. I'll tell you this. And, you know, a couple of things, just uh, recommendations for people. If you ever do consider this, you need to have a strong attorney on your side who mm. knows how to do M&A transactions, as well as a strong accountant that has M&A experience. Do not ever go into an acquisition process. And do it yourself. You That's just not a good thing. This is not child's play. This is the real thing. Right. And you may have just one time to do this right. And you want to be armed with all the support you can possibly have. In our case, we were really strong on both sides of it. They guided us through uh, the acquisition process. I'll make a side note uh, to tell you that I mentioned that the due diligence process for people out there that don't know that terminology, that's when they kind of the rubber meets the road and they're kind of like trying to pull the contract together to do things. They've already made the offer. It is a bear. I thought my head was going to explode many days coming home. I mean, it was just crazy. And then Dominic, you know, this from the last interview uh, on top of that, and I'm dealing with all that. I'm also with my wife uh, helping to plan my daughter's wedding in Savannah, Georgia. Right. And my daughter being my baby girl, and we're very close. And it was like, gosh, I tell you what, I, I would not recommend that to anybody <laughs> to take on those two big life-changing events at the same time. But, you know, it, it worked out. And we made it through it, and it was a successful uh, conclusion. I heard that. No, I hope you caught that startup nation. Make sure you you bring some uh, uh, the, the t- that really good M&A lawyer and CPA uh, on the team when going through something like that. No, I thought that was that's very important because a lot of times, like I said, we always hear these stories of people selling their businesses, but we don't hear those nuts and bolts parts. But I think that's super uh, important for sure. I want to read a passage from the book that really kind of illustrates what you were going through uh, at the time uh, you know, when you were selling the business. Quote, however, I had another reason to consider succession planning. One that was hard for me to admit. The pace of change in technology industry was becoming overwhelming. In 2016, after 20 years in the business, I was going through a period of soul searching where I was asking myself some tough questions. Have I lost my touch? Am I burned out? Am I getting too old for this job? And the big one that kept buzzing around in my head was, would the company be better off if I wasn't running in quote? And so again, Startup Nation, like, you know, it, it's not it's not always just a transaction when you're talking about selling the business. There's there's a lot involved here, you know, not just from the uh, having the, the correct people in place from the lawyer and the CPA, but you have to have really be in a great headspace. And you talked about having your 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 daughter's wedding. I bet that, that like I said, I bet your head felt like about to pop off it at any moment because there's so much uh, going on. But, you know, something you said earlier, I really appreciate it. Uh, was thinking about the employees. You talked about the sale was just a small part, but the the employees was a big part. Thinking about making sure they were going to be okay and stuff like that. So that's extremely admirable, uh, Jay. So I appreciate you sharing all of this in the book. Well, I mean, you know, straight from the heart, Dominic. And I mean, the day I had to disclose the sale of the business, I mean, I had a hard time keeping it together. Right. I mean, it was just, it's emotional. I mean, it just, it really is. And you know, the, um, I think you may remember that one of the last chapters that, um, 
I really, I mean, even to this day, I get a lump in my throat thinking about it is uh, when I, the quote about the, or the title of the chapter, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. Right. Right. And, you know, selling the businesses, you know, in the one that you create, I mean, I can't talk about selling just any business, one that you built out of Absolutely. dirt. It takes on a totally different level of, you know, of the emotion and everything. But, you know, I had to get to a spot where I felt comfortable that what I was doing was right and right by my family, right by my employees. And I struggled. And, and that's what I was trying to point out in the book. But the other thing, though, Dominic, I would want to point out to sure. you as well is that the book is not all about the emotional thing about selling the business. It's also about for business owners out there and small business in particular to look at you work so hard to build something. What you want to make sure you're doing is building something of value, whether you ever sell it or not. Right. Right. You want it to be profitable. You want to run it the right way. You want to be adaptable. So I, I take a lot of pride in the book. I mean, you know, the whole thing. But I really think that for people out there, I don't want them to, to consider or not consider the book because, hey, I'm not interested in selling my business. So I really don't have any use for that. There is a lot of, you know, I mentioned, you know, the, the lessons learned along the way. And, right. you know, a bunch of these in the book. Um you know, things like uh, not burning bridges with customers and really in people in your own life. In, in the case of a, a business where you have uh, customer relationships and they did you wrong or you did them wrong and you separate, don't forget them. Keep it professional because we used to call it the boomerang effect at ISI. They got the potential to come back to you. And in our case, they did many times. And we, we sold millions of dollars as a result of that. Right. And then, you know, then other things about knowing your brand, uh, providing customer service, you know, can make or break your business, you know, reinventing your business before it's too late. I mean, some practical blocking and tackling type of, of insights that we learned. And as you know, the way I like to, I, I'm a storyteller. Right. I just was telling stories about all these different things and, with the backdrop to understand when you're hearing about that, it's not just a tip about running the business by virtue of execution. You are in fact, at that point, creating more value in your business because companies that are out there, they're interested in buying companies. It, it, it's a whole, it's a world of its own. I'll just say in the science and the terminology. And I had to learn so much in that summer and everything to, to pull it off and all, but here's some basics for people out there. And your listeners, is it, you know, they, companies want to buy companies that are profitable, that show year-over-year year growth, right. that have recurring revenue. In other words, money that's constantly coming in. And here's just a, whatever you want to call it, stupid, simple, intuitive. Your company doesn't need to have any uh, ongoing lawsuits. <laughs> right. I mean, you don't, they don't, you don't need to be owing the IRS money. You need to have, in our case, we were very fortunate. We had always invested in our financial processes. And so we had audited financials. In fact, one of the people on the acquisition team said they had never seen books any cleaner than ours. And that's important to, for, for you to do that. The other little tip I'll just tell you that when, if folks are out there and they're considering, you know, the potential of selling the business or whatever, understand this, people, companies, whatever, they buy for their reasons, not yours. Right. What do I mean by that? We didn't think we were that special per se. We weren't the biggest company out there. But guess what, Dominic? 
acquirers look at a lot of things besides all that financial stuff. Guess what? In our case, they were looking at geography. Mm, right. They had no offices in the state of Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, et cetera. We were right there in the Mid-South. They always wanted to have an office in Tennessee because they knew there was a lot of things going on in the state. And so that was a big thing. They were t- paying attention to Tennessee. And when they came in, those are their exact words. And they really wanted to uh, to have something set up in the state. So there's a lot of reasons why companies go out looking for 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 other companies to acquire. And if you have some of those things lined up that I mentioned, and if you ever do have the desire to, to, to sell, you know, then you're, you're going to be well positioned. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. Hey, Startup Nation, I think we can all agree that 2020 was more or less a dumpster fire, right? I mean, come on, on top of surviving a worldwide pandemic, good friends and family of mine lost their jobs, had their hours cut, or went out of business altogether. Yet many of these same people are talented creatives, web developers, photographers, graphic designers, SEO specialists, and writers with solid, marketable, in-demand skills. So I've turned them onto Hectic. Hectic is an all-in-one business management software built specifically for freelancers who are just getting started or looking to take their freelance business to the next level. Hectic is everything a freelancer needs to get started, from easy-to-use contracts and proposal builder to client management and project tracking to expenses and invoicing that features click-to-play technology that makes it quick and easy for freelancers to get paid. And we all want to get paid, Startup Nation. Built specifically for freelancers, Hectic is everything you need to get started. Visit gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life now to learn more and start for free. Yep, adding your first client on the platform will always be free. And if you sign up through gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life, you'll be supporting me and this podcast because who couldn't use a little support these days, Startup Nation? Visit gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life to find everything you need to start or grow your freelancing business today and put those in-demand skills to good use in the way you've always dreamed of. The link is there in the show notes. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. service, and I imagine like the culture uh, that that was you know uh, that was developed there at ISI you know probably uh, led to its success as well. Kind of talk about the customer service piece because it can definitely like you talk about in your book it can make or break a business. And I imagine if anybody were to even think about buying a business that, that's something that they were think about as well is about the culture and how they convert you know sales and stuff like that. But talk about that a little bit if you don't mind, Jay. Yeah, no, absolutely, Dominic. And, and by the way, customer service. Let me point out just a, a sort of a sidebar to that is. Mm-hmm. Companies are interested in acquiring you don't want you to have just one big customer. They want you to have a lot of customers. That makes sense. I mean, because you don't want to be be holding and then something happens. That's just, that's, that's very dicey. But in our case, uh, we absolutely hyper-focused on customer service. And everybody says that and it sounds good. And, you know, we provide good customer service. Well, in our case, it was literally a lifeline because we relied on year over year, 90 plus percent of our revenue came from repeat customers. 
well, they don't like what you did for them. They're not going to buy from you again. And in our case, I think with my great team behind me, we provided service that nobody else did. We had the best of the best. What do I mean by that? You you read some of the stories of what we did where guys were literally on the fly driving four hours to bail out a customer and staying all night right. with no sleep to make sure that their, their conference room was ready for a big event the next day. I mean, who does that anymore? We did it 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Another crazy one was back in the Katrina days when it wiped out and the whole Gulf Coast and where one of the installations we had in a casino, they, you know, we, it was horrible and you know, all that thing. And we didn't think that the project would even occur. You know, it was just going to be shelved or whatever. And we get a call a few months, I don't know, September or something, uh, early October of that year uh, after Katrina that they still wanted it to be installed and that, you know, the holidays were a big time for them. So what do we do? We send a crew down there and Dominic, I was so proud of these guys. I mean, they were literally working at what would be classified really looked like more like a war zone. In fact, several of my employees said something about it looked like world war two and saving private Ryan or something. I mean, it was horrible. They were working off generators. The closest hotel was two hours away. The closest place to get something to eat was an hour and a half away, Mm. but they got it done in record time. And, and install the equipment for the, the casino, and they were off and running. I mean, again, who does those kind of things? We did that. How many years ago has it been now? 15 years ago. Right. And I think that when companies are out there looking at a, a potential acquisition, they kind of, you know, customer service is important. Repeat customers. Do they have maintenance contracts? But here's the big thing, though, Dominic. Mm-hmm. What's their reputation? Right. Exactly. What is what is the brand? And if your brand is that they are crazy good with customer service, that is a good thing. For sure. For sure. You know, and, and that kind of leads us to, you know, what you're doing now with JBM Enterprises. I know you do public speaking and consulting services uh, and stuff like that. Kind of talk about w- what you're doing now with JBM Enterprises. And I know you're uh, doing a little bit of teaching, you know, doing some teaching, some mentoring. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But kind of talk about JBM a little bit right, right now. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm kind of it's a hodgepodge. I had grand ideas, obviously, this time <laughs> last year. Right, it's kind right. of changed. And some of the speaking that I've normally been doing has been, you know, a lot of that stuff's been shelved uh, mm-hmm. for a while. But what I'm trying to do, I've created just this entity to be able to sort of put a lot of different things underneath it. My volunteer work, you know, University of Memphis teaching a public speaking class. I'm involved with an organization you know a lot about called SCORE. Absolutely. And uh, Gary Robinson, those guys over there with the Service Corps of Retired Executives, so I'm mentoring there. Uh, mentoring and helping the cruise center for entrepreneurship. And, and so there's some income coming in from some, uh, not necessarily that obviously volunteer stuff, but some of the, uh, I write an article for the uh, system contractor news, which is an industry publication, mm-hmm. you know, that they pay me for doing that. And, you know, I'm looking forward to as with the, the new book, uh, getting more involved with doing virtual speaking engagements. And right. I've got several of them planned. Uh, to where we're going to kind of build up an income, but I'm doing it more as labor of love gotcha. uh, of these different things and uh, still doing a lot of board work, a better business bureau and, and other places. So um, it just gives me a way to honestly put a label on what I've been doing. And then, 
you know, deal with it from a financial perspective more after the fact than anything else. For sure. You know, and, and one of those things that I, I imagine, you know, JBM Enterprises allows you to do is a, a lot of mentoring. In the book, you talk about uh, mentoring in a, in a great deal. You actually uh, are, you know, have one of my good friends, Venke, uh, in the book as well. I'm v- very proud of what he's doing at Career Crow and stuff like that. Kind of talk about the importance of mentoring, Jay. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, in my case, uh, you know, Dominic, I mean, I had great mentors, Absolutely. I mean, my, you know, family members, my father, my brother, and then other people that are mentioned in the book, you know, the, fa- of course, the famous entrepreneur from Memphis, Kimmins Wilson, it was just such an honor to, to get advice and coaching from him years ago when I first started my business. More currently, I mentioned prominently a, a well-known Memphis businessman, Mike Bruns, who uh, mm. sold contract uh, trucking company several years ago, th- th- these people have all been good to me. And I felt like that, you know, with the sale of the business, I'd already been doing some mentoring to a degree, but I've kind of upped my game. Right. And so helping people like Vinky, you know, th- they uh, appreciate the help. Uh, we-, we have a good working relationship and, you know, it, it gives me a lot of pride to help people and, and, you know, the potential success that we all believe is going to happen. It, it's, it's fun. I, I get energized being around people like Vinky and uh, folks, the crew center and the university of Memphis and, you know, they, and I admire them. I mean, that's the other part of it too. When I was Vinky's age, 20 something or whatever, gosh, I was too scared to ever open up my own business. But these, these young people today are so, uh, impressive and are mm-hmm. doing that. And I want to do my part to help them. Uh, I think that, you know, certainly having some technology background and kind of been through the wars, I, I think I have something to offer, but you know, I, I'm gratified by it. I mean, right. I'm hoping they get some value out of it. I believe they have, but boy, it works both ways. I'm getting a heck of a lot of value out of them. Absolutely. You know, and a lot of people don't, don't think about that part. Like when you mentor, uh, uh, is, is, is probably just as, uh, advantageous for the mentor as it is for the uh, the mentee as well as like it's a it's definitely a uh, a dual street there uh, for sure so i appreciate you sharing that once again startup nation we're talking to jb myers author of rounding third and heading for home and if you want to purchase that book you can purchase that book right now uh for the kindle edition and it's also on pre-order uh right now if you actually want the physical copy of the book for sure. So, Jay, you know, I, when you come on the show, you know, I, I can't let you go without talking a little baseball. Like, I got to talk a little baseball with you. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So I guess I'm curious about something because, you know, there's a there's a lot of money flying around baseball with contracts. You know, Fernando Tatis just signed a real big deal uh, not too long ago and stuff like that. You know, I, I guess I'm just curious because it kind of brings up. Uh, a conversation that I see in message boards and stuff like that. You know, when you see big contracts like that, is that good for baseball? It's, uh, it's all right for baseball. It's just as where we're heading. Kind of what's your commentary on that a little bit? Well, I wish I could be more positive about it. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I've always Dominic thought that my dream job would be the CFO of the New York Yankees for a day. Right. Cause I would go in there, look at those financials and I'd start making some cuts and, <laughs> and I would pay them on performance and I right. would, uh, I'd level set the price of, of tickets for the fans. I think one of the problems in baseball, whether you're the Yankee fan or whoever you are and love the game, right. I think we're all troubled by the fact that 
it's become such a corporate game and mm. TV and yeah. uh, high price tickets for, let's face it, corporations to entertain customers. Hey, I've done it before uh, here and there. But, uh, you know, it made baseball so popular for so many years was the fact that, you know, a man, a family man could uh, take his wife and his kids out to a game and it wouldn't cost them an arm and a leg. Right. And, and now it's just changed. And, and the people sitting in the stands versus the people out there in the field, you know, in the old days, there wasn't a massive difference in what each person was getting paid. Now it's absurd. I mean, it's just, um, it, it's crazy and it, it's troublesome. I, I'll be honest with you. Gotcha. I, I, I see some of these guys that are not even playing that are injured and getting paid more money in a year than most people ever make in a lifetime. And that's just, that, that that's a disturbing trend. Right. I'll always love the game, but I'm not sure I like that process of th- these crazy numbers out there. Gotcha. Teams got to do what they got to do. And I'm sure any of your listeners out there are going to go, well, if he's a Yankee fan, they pay more <laughs> money than anybody. Well, I, I, my only comment about that would be check everybody else's uh, payroll, Chicago Cubs, the Red right. Sox. Uh, my team, actually, that I admire more than anything from a business perspective, is my adopted hometown down in Tampa. I, Those, knew, the you, I knew you were going to say that. I, they I, do I, a fabulous job with do. that payroll. They absolutely do. It's like, you know, it, it, it's less about like, hey, who won the AL MVP last year? Yeah, let's sign that guy. It's, it's less about that. And it's more right. more about the work and the grind of scouting and and developing players in the farm system and stuff like that. I knew I knew you were going to say that. I promise you, I did <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, they do a terrific job, and in fact, I've got a friend that uh, is a AAA coach down there, Jim mm-hmm. Morrison, who's uh, d- helping develop players. And uh, you know, it's it's fun. I mean, they're uh, they play in Tropicana. It's not a, a brand new ballpark, and right. I think a lot of people are, have ideas about getting something new but boy i'll tell you what the product on the field is solid absolutely we actually made a uh, a few years back we actually made an instagram post about the temperate tampa bay rays for that very uh reason for sure i want to ask you something you know really quickly because you know with everybody like you know doing webinars and zoom calls it, it does seem like you know public speaking and doing engagements like these are kind of you know still out there a little bit you know but even still with being on camera and stuff like that. A lot of people are kind of shy when it comes to public speaking, when you're mentoring and and have people that, you know, even when you uh, teach at the university of Memphis, the university of Memphis, uh, you know, for sure. Uh, When you're teaching there, you know, and and you're, and you're, you know, helping with public speaking, what are some of those tips? Cause I I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people say, you know, people fear public speaking more than fear death. So just kind of share some of those tips if you don't mind, Jay. Well, sure. Well, let me digress at first to, to answer it, Dominic, and say that I was terrible at it when I was, <laughs> let's say, Vinky's age. I mean, I was terrified, just like everybody else. Got you. I think I would have rather died than done, done a lot of those. But then as time went on, I started recognizing that I had a problem. Mm-hmm. And I remember back, gosh, in the 80s, taking a Toastmaster class and or, or was in a club. And I, and I did that for a while, and it helped. But it was, I was a work in process. I will tell you that I turned the corner when I started my own business. Mm. So I was older, man. I was almost 40 years old. And it, it, it got to the point that, man, this is, this is maybe life and death for my business. If I can't stand in front of people and communicate, you know, and I don't come across confident and whatever, who's going to buy anything from me? Right. Who's going to do anything with me? And it, it really became, uh, you know, something that I knew that I had a, a problem that I had to address. 
And so I worked on it. And there's no shortcuts to this stuff. I mean, a lot of it has to do with repetition. A lot of it has to do, I will say, just kind of like in business, you know, preparation. Right. And once I locked into that and I kept doing it over and over again, and instead of like in the old days, sort of avoiding doing speaking, I kept volunteering Mm. to the point that, and then, you know, once I started connecting, I get the feedback and they say, you know, boy, you're good on your feet. Then I, you know, years later, I'd get invited to these conferences and industry things and all to speak about my books and everything. And I realized I enjoyed it. And I came across, you know, confident, but I, Dominic, key to it again, repetition, preparation, mm-hmm. whether you want to be, you know, good in, in anything, public speaking, sports or what have you. Right. Uh, I think that, you know, when you, when you do the dress rehearsals, if you will, and I've done a number of those for the most important speeches I've given the last few years, once you start doing that, you know, even when you stand in front of a crowd and everything, it's just the words just kind of come roll out, you know, and, and it's, it's something that you project uh, because you've done it so many times repetition and practiced and so on that, you know, you come across confident. I'll tell you a quick story. When sure. I got inducted in the society of entrepreneurs back in 2018, right before all the other crazy events happened, <laughs> I, uh, I was so focused. We had three minutes for an acceptance speech and uh if you're interested, it's on, uh, I got LinkedIn or whatever posted on social media, mm-hmm. but I mean, I worked on that and worked on it, worked on it. I literally dressed up and like, uh, simulated a podium in my house to, mm-hmm. to rehearse it. I gave the speech to my admin about 20 different people. Well, when I got up there to do it that night, it was just like second nature and I get through and I mean, I got a standing ovation. Right. And it was, you know, you can get there. And I, I'm the guy that, again, when I was in my 20s and 30s, even, I mean, I was shaking like a leaf to do those kind of things. But I think that it's like anything. You got to recognize you have a problem and then you got to go work on it and you got to work on it. I would encourage anybody that's out there that's thinking about all this and dealing with it somehow, some way, get involved with the Toastmasters Club mm, right. because then it, it just it puts the discipline in place for you. In the case of University of Memphis, we we don't call it Toastmasters. We call it the persuasive presenter. And I'm teaching, you know, the students out there about, you know, the things that have worked for me. Right. For sure. You know, you, you bring up an interesting point. We had a past guest on it and he gave a TED talk and he did exactly what you did, like that preparation. He like, you know, um, he he had like a, a, a red circle in his living room and he would just practice uh, TED talk. Would you be open to doing a TED talk one day? Is that something you? I would love it. That's a Super Bowl for people like Isn't me. It absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. No, yeah. I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that. I mean, you know, again, it's kind of like even with TED talks or anything. Another tip I uh, need to mention is that you need to know your audience. Absolutely. You need to know your audience and what you can, and you know, what what you want to communicate. The other thing, too, is that my father, who's a really good speech maker, he's been gone a long time, but he he used to tell me, he said, always start out with a joke if you can, mm-hmm. something to loosen them up. Sometimes that maybe you don't have a joke, but what I encourage the students is start out with a question, kind of get them thinking, get you loosened up, and then kind of go into your spill. But you got to break the ice somehow, and I think that whatever you're comfortable with, jokes or posing questions, uh, and knowing your audience, I think those are additional tips that are important. Absolutely. 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 I appreciate you sharing all of that 
So before I ask the last question, you know, Uncle Jay, as always, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. And once again, Startup Nation, the book is Rounding Third, Heading for Home, The Emotional Journey of Selling My Business and the Lessons Learned Along the Way. And that book is available on Kindle uh, today in order for uh, for pre-order. If you want the physical book, uh, the pre-order is available right now. We have that link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. And also, if you want to connect uh, with uh, JB Myers, we have all his contact information there in the show notes for easy access uh, as well. So, Uncle Jay, as always, you know, we like to leave on a positive note. If you would, good sir, just kind of give us some words of encouragement to take us out for the day. Yeah, sure. I think that although we're dealing with some extremely difficult times in the pandemic these days, you got to see brighter days ahead for us. And I think they will be there. Absolutely. Awesome stuff. And that's going to wrap up this session of The Star of Life. Once again, I want to thank J.B. Myers for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Jay. Appreciate it, Dominic. Thanks for having me on the show. No worries. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, If you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.